This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. In opposing the nomination of an attorney for a federal judgeship, some U.S. senators, all attorneys themselves, appear to betray a stunning lack of knowledge about how the criminal justice system actually works. Cato's Clark Neely comments. Let's start with uh, some basic background here. Who is Nina Morrison? Nina Morrison is a senior attorney at the Innocence Project, where she and her colleagues uh, try to exonerate people using DNA evidence, people who've been falsely convicted of crimes they did not commit. Now, let's be uh, clear about what the Innocence Project, like the, the sort of raison d'etre of the Innocence Project, is to discover who was falsely convicted and using a technique that developed in, I believe, the 1980s. Uh, DNA evidence to exonerate those people. And they're up to kind of a stunning number of people that have been exonerated through DNA evidence. Yeah, about 300 people. Um, the Innocence Project has exonerated using DNA and other scientific uh, techniques so that there's uh, you know really virtually no doubt uh, about the innocence of the people um, whom they have exonerated. And it's a, it's a horrifying statistic, particularly when you understand just how much effort our system puts into discouraging that kind of post-conviction exoneration. So we know to a certainty that this is merely the tip of a very large iceberg. So there has been pushback and uh, from a few Republicans, notably uh, Ted Cruz of Texas, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, and Josh Hawley of Missouri. They are critical of her, and I, I believe at least one of those senators used the phrase soft on crime. And this was in, if I'm not mistaken, direct relation to her work getting the, again, wrongfully imprisoned out of prison. You know, it's not entirely clear. Uh, what is clear is that it is a scurrilous and clownish attack on a highly qualified judicial nominee. Um, and not surprisingly, um, they really didn't spell out exactly, you know, what they were criticizing her about. And and they really kind of conflated two aspects of uh, Nina Morrison's uh, background. Um, one is the work that she's done uh, to exonerate people who were falsely convicted. Uh, but she also had done some work with um, transition teams for a number of so-called progressive prosecutors um, working on the uh, you know their their policy with regards to conviction integrity. In other words, making sure that that they're doing a good job um, of of identifying cases where they may have falsely convicted someone. And you know somehow in the minds of uh, Ted Cruz and and Josh Hawley, that somehow equates to a soft on crime stance. As I said, I think it's a it's a fundamentally buffoonish. Um, scurrilous attack on a you know a person of tremendous integrity who's been incredibly effective um, at at exonerating people. And something to keep in mind is, if anybody's being soft on crime, it's somebody who thinks we should continue to imprison someone who is who has been falsely convicted. Because in addition to that injustice, guess what else is happening? The actual perpetrator is still out there going around committing more crimes. Um, so if you are um, uh, you know if you if you condemn somebody. Um, uh, whose work, uh, life's mission is is getting is identifying innocent people um, and getting them exonerated. Um, guess what happens when the police uh, realize that they have convicted an innocent person? They go and start looking for the actual perpetrator, um, and oftentimes that person is caught. I believe uh, of the of the three hundred or so 
people who've been exonerated by the Innocence Project, uh, the police were actually able to identify the actual perpetrator in about 165 of those cases. So it's actually, in my judgment, uh, uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley who are soft on crime because they want falsely convicted people, apparently, to stay in prison and allow the actual perpetrators to continue, uh, you know, uh, uh, committing crimes on the outside. So perhaps they should look in the mirror. I want to clarify one thing. Ted Cruz did say that the Innocence Project had, quote, done good work on behalf of people who were wrongly convicted, end quote, uh, who he added should be released. That's from Reuters. There is a broader uh, conception of what people who work on behalf of criminal defendants, uh, you know, I see ads for, uh, judges, uh, or prosecutors running for office and, or people who are running for an office that is not involved in the criminal justice system, uh, their previous work, if they have been a defense attorney, especially a criminal defense attorney, they are attacked for providing that vigorous defense for criminal defendants. Right. Well, I mean, it's obviously there's so much of this. It's it's almost purely political, right? It doesn't really matter uh, what your background is. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are. It just matters that you're a nominee that was put up by the wrong team. And so, you know, in the in the sort of the politics of personal destruction, uh, that is so much a, a you know part of modern life. You just pick up any weapon you can to bash somebody who's who's from the wrong team. Um, and think about how vital it is in our system that we have uh, people who make sure that the government dots every I and crosses every T before they convict somebody of a crime and incarcerate them. The system simply cannot work if you don't have highly capable, dedicated people representing people who've been accused of crimes to make sure that the government does it right. And I'll tell you, even with our purportedly adversarial system with some incredibly capable uh, defense lawyers, you know, essentially holding the government's feet to the fire, you would be horrified at how sloppy and cavalier the process often still manages to become. What is the difference in how former prosecutors are treated and people who work on behalf of either the wrongfully convicted or uh, criminal defendants more broadly? Oh, it's night and day. In a judicial confirmation, former prosecutors are treated with kid gloves. Uh, they're not asked, uh, for example, about past misconduct that they may have committed. They're not asked if they've done things like threaten people with horrific trial penalties in order to coerce them into pleading guilty or threaten to indict people's family members just to exert plea leverage, which is absolutely routine in our system. They're not asked any of those kinds of questions. They're just, you know, as I said, treated with kid gloves and kind of ushered through the process. Uh, it's very, very easy. It's probably there's probably no other uh, you know, judicial nominee that is easier to confirm to the bench than a former prosecutor. By contrast, as we've seen, anybody who has, has represented criminal defendants or worked to exonerate the falsely convicted, they go through the meat grinder. Uh, and, you know, the, the, alleg the alleged conduct of their clients is thrown in their face and in some way kind of attributed to them as if, as if they condone that conduct simply because they played a role in an adversarial system representing somebody. Uh, so it really couldn't be more different. Uh, prosecutors are ushered through the system, you know, like uh, royalty and not really carefully scrutinized in terms of possible past misconduct or the, the way in which they went about their work. Uh, and then uh, anybody who's worked on the other side of that, uh, you know, for, for defendants in our system uh, is hauled over the the coals and um, attributed the, the their own co clients' conduct attributed to them as if they were somehow endorsed or condoned it. 
There was a moment here, this is from uh, Esquire, in which Ms. Morrison noted that there was compelling evidence that an executed man in a, in a death penalty case in Arkansas had been uh, innocent of the crime. And Tom Cotton, uh, at one point during the uh, discussion, uh, was, was said, quote, compelling evidence that the court somehow overlooked for 20 years. That's a question, uh, sort of an incredulous question presented to her. And that's just sort of a shocking response for anyone who follows this in any specificity at all. Well, that's right. Uh, so the the man who was executed in that case, Liddell Lee, we don't know for sure whether he was innocent, but as you say, there's uh, been uh, recently tested DNA evidence from the murder weapon that that uh, does not belong to him, which raises real questions about the accuracy of that conviction. But as you point out, the real story here is um, there's a sitting United States senator who doesn't seem to realize that false convictions in our system are absolutely routine and that the system itself fights like crazy to prevent those false convictions from coming to light. It is extraordinarily difficult uh, uh, for a convicted defendant to obtain post-conviction release, and we would absolutely expect uh, to see the courts systematically overlooking this evidence for decades. And not only would we expect it, we know that it happens. It's a documented uh, fact. But, you know, we've got these senators like Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, and Josh Hawley who live in this kind of fantasy land uh, where, you know, the the courts hardly ever make mistakes. Prosecutors never engage in misconduct. Um, and anybody who disagrees with that is soft on crime. Um, and it's preposterous. Um, that's not how the, the system operates and, and uh, would be very helpful uh, if people in positions of power like like a senator's, uh, would be more conscientious about the importance of a uh, criminal justice system uh, that uh, produces accurate results and that we can all have confidence in, in terms of the way that it operates. And uh, I do not believe that that's a fair description of our criminal justice system as it is today. Clark Neely is Senior Vice President for Legal Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>